0: Pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny.
1: Welcome to Gun Funny episode 103. Today I'm going to chat with Barrett Fawbush from True Exodus, talk about Texas lessening their gun laws, and discuss the unlikelihood of AR pistol braces being banned. I am your host, Ava Flanell, and Barrett, how are you doing today?
2: I'm fantastic.
1: Oh, that's good. That's always good to hear. I um I'm doing well also. I just spent uh most of my morning looking at vacuums because, you know, I'm adulting and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about maybe upgrading my vacuum and buying a Dyson, which is a big step because <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm laughing at myself. I'm like, "Oh, okay, you won't think twice about spending $600 like on a gun, but $600 vacuum." You're like, "Uh
2: <laughs> I would be I would be cautious." As to what you spend it on based off of, you know, your pets and things like that. Cause you may have hair, pet, pet hair that just ruins your vacuum. So always be be Well,
1: that's why I'm looking at the one that's designed for the pet. It's for, Mm. you know, for animals, but my dog is only four pounds. So she's doesn't, I mean, it's not Not a lot of hair. Yeah.
2: You could probably suck her up with the Dyson.
1: I probably could. Yeah. I actually, yeah. (laughs) I mean, that's everyone that I'm talking to, they're like, definitely get a Dyson. So I think I'm going to reach that, that point in my adulthood. It's a big step.
2: It is. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. All right. Before we get into it, I'm going to talk about Manicor Arms. So as you know, it's August and Manicore Arms is having a sale on all of their styre Aug parts. That includes like the uh, the scope mount, the charging handle, brass deflector, 20% off all of their Aug stuff. So if you have an Aug, definitely now's the time to buy. Head on over to ManicoreArms.com. If you see anything else that you like and it's not Aug related, you can use the coupon code GUNFUNNY15 and that gets you 15% off.
0: Learn the things you never knew on Deconstructing the Industry.
1: All right. So Barrett, for those who don't know who you are, um, can you just kind of explain a little bit like what you do in the industry?
2: Sure. Um, <clears throat> I'm a Christian pastor of a small church in Southern Indiana, and I started posting just internet shooting videos, uh, in about 2014, 2015. And I got really popular, uh, just cause of my, my ability to draw out a pistol really fast. And, uh, since 2010, I've been instructing people on how to properly handle a firearm, how to draw from concealment safely, how to, um, have a proper understanding of the fundamentals, really to just kind of move people on to that, those, the real operators and the real trainers out there. Don't so, know kind of what I do for the industry, I think.
1: Very nice. So, kind of going back, so have you always been religious? <laughs>
2: um <sighs> I mean, no, not really. I, I wasn't raised that way. In fact, I was raised, uh, I was raised in a good home by my dad. Uh-huh. And, uh, but we just never talked about it. He never took me to church. Um uh, when I was younger, he raised me on some really good Bible stories like David and Goliath and things like that. Um, you know, picture storybooks I can remember for when I was like five or six or seven. But I never got a religious, any religious uh, training or education, or I really—I guess I got a lack of one. Huh,
1: but that's uh, until
2: I until I really uh, started pursuing Christ when I was 16 years old.
1: And what made you want to do that? Like, what was you know? Uh, did you have like an aha moment?
2: Yeah, I mean. I mean, I just was sitting in church one day and I I heard about this man who resurrected from the dead. And I thought to myself, man, if if this guy actually did what the Bible said he did, then that changes everything. And so I just, I want to be a student of his because, I mean, this dude can walk on water (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm, and change water into
2: wine. I want to learn from him all that he has to teach me that that I could properly steward over. So ever since then, I've been pursuing him and, and walking with him and he's just... He's just the most delightful thing <laughs> in the world and, uh, he, he challenges me and he grows me every single day.
1: And so when you decided to pursue this path, I mean, you went to college for it. You, I think I read you have a master's yes. degree, which yep. is impressive. I was,
2: uh, yeah, I, I did do all that.
1: I took a, a few religious classes. So I actually went to, I'm, I'm not very religious, but I did go my freshman year. I did go to an all women's Catholic school. Needless Ooh. to say, I got straight A's. And, uh, yes. <laughs> some of the classes were actually taught by nuns, but it was a good school. Okay. And I just, you know, I think education is more important than anything. And then when I transferred after my freshman year, I did transfer to a co-ed college, which was still part of Fordham University, but I, it was required that we took a few religious classes. And I remember, uh, one of my religious religion teachers, uh, he was a monsignor priest. Hmm. He was actually really cute. And then we found out he was a Monsignor <laughs> Priest and I was like, well, it's probably not going to happen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not.
1: So when did you get into firearms?
2: Ever since I tried to load a 20 gauge uh, shell into my dad's 12 gauge shotgun. <laughs> uh, that's, uh, I think that was the moment. That's my dad. I was thinking I was like four or five and my dad said, yeah, I guess I got to have to get a safe. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's been a hunter and an angler all of his life and he kind of taught me to do the same and. And I just kind of saw firearms as uh, a way to uh um, hunt and just really just like target shooting, target practicing, 4-H on a thing. Mm-hmm. Never did I ever think of a, a firearm as a way to, to cause another person harm. Never did I ever think that the weapon was to be used in self-defense until I later got to college.
1: Mm-hmm. And, uh, so you do have like a really interesting bio on your website that was really engaging. Like it definitely captured my attention. There was a few things that kind of made me laugh and then, you know, kind of, sure. I thought were interesting. Um, so you did say that that's kind of when you started getting into sort of looking at it as self-defense was something happened at college. And, and it's crazy cause I think a lot of people have these moments where, you know, everyone always thinks like, oh, it's not going to happen to me or they, yeah. You know, and I mean, and I'm even guilty of this. So it usually takes something bad to happen in order for people to wake up and realize that, you know, it's probably a good idea to keep, you know, to take safety into their own hands.
2: Yes, I agree with that.
1: So one of the things I did find interesting is, uh, and I'm just going to read this quote. Sure. Uh, let's see. So you said, yeah, sure. I thought open carry was kind of cool, but never a, a viable option after I learned how people treat you when you walk around with a firearm on your hip in Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. What um, happened there?
2: So, so I uh, I always, again, I concealed carry a firearm. But on our college campus, me and my uh, best friend, Dr. Tom Boone, who's a, a doctor in Arizona, we went to Bible college together and he is the one who really... Uh, made me aware of my rights as a citizen. He was the real one who really said, hey, protection is in your own best interest. It's not for somebody else. But we couldn't carry or have guns on campus at, at Bible college. And so we would just open carry holsters, have an open carry outside of waistband holster that was empty mm-hmm. uh, to let people know of the fact that we have the right to carry a firearm if we chose to, just like we have a holster right here. And uh, people in, in Bible college treat you kind of funny when you've got, random plastic stuck inside your hip and they want to ask you questions and things like that. So I engage a lot of people that way, but then, you know, I've had a number of instances where I'm carrying a SIG 226, big gun on a 150 pound uh, skinny boy, um, you know, that you run into some situations in Cincinnati where, you, you know, it's, it's revealing or it's showing and police officers treat you different. Citizens treat you different. And I just kind of thought to myself, like, if I'm to be obeying the law of love, and if I am to be representing the presence of Christ, his manifest presence on earth, is that really how the first way I want to come across to people? Mm-hmm. And so concealment became a really big issue for me at that point. And that's when I really started just pursuing, I mean, right out the gate from the time I was 21, 22, I, and I'm 33 now, I, I was just saturating myself in how do I keep this gun concealed? Because A, I don't want people to know that I have it. Mm-hmm. And B, I find, I think that there's disastrous consequences if th- they do know I have it, um, uh, socially, so to speak, mm-hmm. uh, as far as the gospel is concerned. And so I just, I just became a person who really cared about concealment. And so, um, that's that.
1: You also mentioned that as you were taking classes, you noticed that a lot of these instructors were always teaching, like, you know, using your gun outside the waistband, but they never really took the time or had classes where you would learn how to draw from, you know, concealment and yeah. practice with the gun and, and that you're I carrying. think that was
2: just related to my area. Um, in Cincinnati, in northern Kentucky, Louisville-Lexington area, I took in- from instructors all over these uh, Dayton, Ohio, and I could never find somebody that didn't carry outside the waistband, mm-hmm. that didn't have a vest over them, or didn't have a battle belt on because they just got done, you know, if they're military tour in Iraq and Afghanistan, and now they're coming and teaching civilians, you know, uh, the, what they know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of what I received from concealment came from Blackwater guys and Green Beret people, people from Special Forces, because they they were operating in these conditions. But nobody really had a p- process for how to draw from concealment. Nobody really showed me what I was really trying to look for, and so I just kind of developed the process on my own. I repped it over and over again. I sought out instruction. I sought to be critiqued. I sought to be rebuked and reproved and corrected. And I developed a draw. And that's why people know me Mm is because I know how to draw from concealment and I know how to do it so fast. That's just part of my motor learning. And I don't have a military background. Don't have a law enforcement background. And I don't walk around dry firing all day either. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And I just, I feel like that's important for people to know that you don't have to be, you have these backgrounds to, to develop a process, at least to get the gun out of the holster and apply the fundamentals, let alone to apply all the other thinking that comes with a self-defense scenario like, you know, uh, you know, your verbal judo, your de-escalation skills, um, your body language, um, not going into certain parts uh, of, the, of town at night, things like that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think you bring up a valid point because most of these pistol classes start where, you know, it's like, hey, bring in outside the waistband holster. We're going to be doing drills. Um, There aren't a lot of classes where it does revolve around, you know, drawing from concealment and such. Well,
2: I think that's just not that I just don't think it's people's wheelhouse. I don't I think for the police officer, his contacts is always on the outside of the waistband Uh for the military guy. His contacts is always on the outside of the waistband. And the very few people who who seek to dive into it, like, uh, you know, UCs, uh, undercover police officers, they understand how important concealment is and how important that no weapon be identifiable on the person. And so same thing with Green Berets over in Iraq and Afghanistan going behind enemy lines. They understand that they that them carrying concealed is a big deal. And I just was not finding these people. And so I sought to be this type of person mm-hmm. who, who took this and and, and and thought it was a big deal.
1: Definitely. So, you come off as like a very genuine person, especially on social media, but you know how sometimes like it's, it could be more of a facade and then you meet him in person sure. and you're yeah, like, yeah, wow, yeah. this guy's kind of a jerk. Like he's super egotistical. But I did notice, so we met at TriggerCon and, uh, I met you on the floor and then later on saw you at, uh, there was a VIP boat party and then the next day there was also another party with Grey Ghost. And I noticed like you definitely made uh, an effort to make the rounds, to talk to people. You stayed there longer than most people would. I mean, typically a lot of people that are well-known in the industry, they'll make a presence and then they're like, all right, I'm bouncing. You know, they don't really want to get to know anybody. And so I thought, you know, that was actually very impressive. I also thought that it was impressive on your website, especially being a male in the industry. And I don't want to say every male in the industry has an ego, but you know, typically they're like, oh, it's my way. Nobody else is correct. You know, my instruction is the only instruction that you need. But you did specify in your website or on your website that, you know, that, hey, this is what you teach, but you highly recommend that you take other classes from other instructors and that everybody has something different that they can offer. And um, so I was impressed with that because I typically think, I think that, you know, even if you don't gain... Maybe even if they're not saying or they're not teaching learn, you exactly. You can learn
2: how to teach a class the wrong way. You can learn how to do something the wrong way from somebody who's just ignorant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've I've learned from a lot of instructors. Like, uh, I'll be quite honest. I learned from a, I won't tell you his name, but I went to a, a very top level instructor's class uh, only to be so, I, I never had a gun pointed at me so many times by students because of their inability to have a safe drill and to vet their students safely, who all of which were law enforcement. Mm -hmm. And so it's like things like that. I can make notes and say, I I can sit there and criticize the instructor, or I can sit there and say, hey, guess how I'm never going to do it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like this. Yeah. So one thing I do want to ask you about, so you said, okay, you said you also recognize that my background as a preacher severely limits me in what I can teach to others, namely tactics, combative tactics, et cetera. What do you mean by that? Yes.
2: I mean that, you know, I'm a preacher and I, my background is Bible college. You know, my background is not law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It's not, I'm not a UFC fighter and I'm, you know, not in the military. I'm, I'm a preacher and that's what I do. I, my area of expertise is communicating, preaching and teaching in your physical presence. That's what I'm good at. And, um, I can't do anything else very well. So I, I do the gun thing on the Instagram, and I found that this is kind of where God was leading me, that that through my abilities, just through like the abilities of Lucas Bodkin, who is fantastic, by the way, just like through the abilities of him through Treyarch's arms to be able to, to operate the gun that he does, he's able to use that as a way to pull people in. Man, this guy knows how to shoot. I wonder what else he knows how to do if he can do this really well right? Mm -hmm. Well, Lucas has done a good job of being a great advocate for the second amendment and applying his intelligence and his passions towards those things. And, um, and same thing with me, I apply my talents, my passions on shepherding people towards Jesus and letting people know about how to become a better person and how to be that person. And I, I, but I want to kind of pull you in (laughs) through the firearms thing. Mm -hmm. I enjoy teaching classes for a time, and I'm slowly making my way out of that right now mm-hmm. because I just don't want it to be a primary source of income for me right now. I want to kind of – I'm at a different stage in my life right now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that's that's that. So I think that other people are more skilled and have a better understanding of, like, combatives, tactics, two-man room clearing, low-light low room clearing, those different types of things than I would. I can do those things, and I've taken tons of those classes, and I'm a really smart guy too. You know, I can – you know, I'll rationalize and, and, and think and reason. And it's easy. And then to retain and teach, that's easy for me to do, but I don't have the experience that most people are looking for that. Some people have like John Lovell from warrior poet society, people like two alpha to quit uh, instructor Z instructor, zero Travis Haley. And the list goes all Chris Costa and the list goes on and on and on and on. But if everybody wanted to take from these people all all at once, Ava, do you know that we wouldn't have enough gun instructors to teach everyone?
1: Hmm. That's interesting.
2: <laughs> and so, and so I, I, I love having people in my classes because usually half of my class are extremely experienced and half of the class have like, it's the first class they've ever taken. Mm-hmm. And so I'm always at the end of classes telling people that before I see you again, before you come take class from me, please take at least four or five other classes. And I tell them what types of classes to take. Who I recommend and I'm always offering my recommendations. In fact, if I can boast and love does not boast, you will not find another instructor on the internet who promotes instructors more than I do nice. because of that fact, because I recognize that I do have an inability to provide people with uh, furthering their education and the self-defense aspects. Mm-hmm. But I am trying to get better at jujitsu. I am trying to get my black belt under Bruce Shepard. And if I get a black belt under Bruce Shepard, you very well guarantee I'm going to come back and start teaching some serious combatives. Uh, because I think that that's where the threat lies for most civilians is that one to five feet distance de-escalation and being able to control a person without really harming them. I think that's uh, I think that's a good way. Of Jesus. So I'm going to I'm going to pursue those avenues of self-defense.
1: Very nice. All right. So Thank you. we are here with Barrett Fawbush and I'm going to take a quick break and talk about Sportsman's Guide. So sportsman's guide is, you know, it's offered to anyone, but you can also join their buyer's club. And right now they're offering a free 30 day trial, which means that you'll save always 10% on everything every day. But then you also get access to like their member only sales and uh, lots of other benefits. So if nothing else, I would say sign up, try it for that 30 days. There's, you know... It's not going to cost you anything to try it out. And all you have to do is go to sportsmansguide.com and, uh, and sign up there. All right. So, Barrett, I'm, I'm interested, since you do, you know, you're so heavily involved in the church. With everything going on, what is your thoughts on church security?
2: Uh, I think that churches are the softest targets in America. And I, I think that in some ways they're more targetable than schools are,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, than playgrounds are. And um I think that I think that Christians really need to ser- take a serious look into discerning church security team, Uh somebody who's able to have prevent things from happening before they come into the sanctuary, those different types of things.
1: Do you guys have something implemented at your church?
2: We do. Um I have a number of people. We don't have like a security plan. Uh, we have uh, security protocols that we've set in place because you can't really – I don't think you can have a plan for for uh-huh. things like that. And if you can, we're not equipped as a church to to do that. I have a number of people who are extremely – Tra- well-trained marksmen who sit at strategic locations in my sanctuary on Sunday morning. You'll find anywhere between two and five of them in the congregation on a Sunday. Not to mention we're getting to these protocols where we're locking doors, where we keep our children, exit plans, security plans for, if um, you know, all of the doors were bark, you know, uh, a real uh, uh American patriot scene if all the doors were uh, barricaded in the church and you know it was Molotov cocktail or decided to blow up mm-hmm. you know how do how do we exit so we have a number of those different t- types of security protocols in place, um but nothing where um, yeah i am really the security protocol because of where I'm at, where I stand, teach, preach, and do everything. I really have the best line of sight and the best ability and opportunity in order to act in a, in a situation like that.
1: Very nice. So with recent tragedies, do you have any thoughts on how to prevent these from happening?
2: Education, education. I, I don't think that anything, I mean, really, it's like these tragedies are preventable if, I, if people would pursue Jesus. <laughs> and, um, and the reason why I say that is because the mental health issue in our country is so, is so off the wall that mm-hmm. People are growing up, they're growing up isolated, they're growing up fatherless, they're growing up in these abused homes where t- children are being sexually abused and sexually miscontorted um, in their brains to think different things. And then it's not matching it with society. And, and there's just so much, ram- so many soul altering ramifications that our culture is having upon young people right now that it does not surprise me when events happen like this, it does not surprise me when evil takes place like this because people are given full reign of it. Now it doesn't matter if a person has a a rifle or if they have any, you know, anything else. Yes. It's easier to kill somebody with, you know, 30 round uh, magazine and, a, um, you know, an AR 15 than it is to go around stabbing people with a knife, but people can be extremely effective with a knife. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's all about that person's will and want to to do harm. And then, I think the best way to prevent it is firearms education, growing our community and uh, making sure that we have people in in the game, so to speak. I want you to imagine Walmart as a scene of a, of a of a play, and all the characters and all the people in Walmart play characters actors and uh you know is is the guy who carries the c c w is the hero? Is he there and present? and sober minded? Is he alert? Is he, you know, in tune with what's going on around him so that he can be able to deliver his lie when he needs to? And that's the question. I don't think that we have enough of those people because a lot of these things are happening in areas where they're, they're just, people are wholly unprepared to deal with their personal safety. Mm -hmm. Most of our country is fat and obese. They can't run. They can't pick up their own children and run their own children out of any situation. They've never clearly thought about it. They don't know where exits are at. And I'm not saying that you'd be paranoid about this in your mind. I'm saying that you would be prepared, that when you'd walk into a a restaurant, that you'd just take a notice of where the exits were, that you would point them out to your children. Hey, where do you you think the exits were? If there were a fire or an emergency, what would you do? Mm -hmm. But, But we don't care to think about that. We don't care to have those plans in our head because we think that carrying a gun is just enough. And um, I don't think that that's true. So the way to prevent these tragedies, I feel, is number one, becoming the type of person that wouldn't do these things. And that's only found by pursuing Jesus and conforming to him and his wants and his wishes. Number two, education and involving people into our community, involving people into the plus one movement and the um, all the, the movements of the 4-H and uh, everything that we're trying to do to make sure that children know about firearm safety, firearm awareness, so that there's no negligence on their part. I think that we need to have CCWers in the game, on the stage, so to speak, ready to act at a moment's notice. And I think that that's how we prevent evil from taking place.
1: Okay, so basically, you're saying, you know, everyone just needs Jesus, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and
2: and it will it will happen. He'll his he will come, and his kingdom will come, and his will will be done, and everyone's gonna be a lot happier. I promise.
1: So, I mean, I'm gonna kind of. Walk out on a limb a little bit, but do you sure. think, you know, if you're religious, you're automatically, you know, you have morals and stuff? Oh, oh. Because I've met.
2: I don't know what you mean by religious. You, ha- I've heard you say that over uh-huh. and over again.
1: Well, but I, don't I mean, know so. If we
2: think the same thing about that.
1: And we probably don't, but like in my experience, because I've gone to church and stuff with friends sure. growing up and. Like, I wasn't raised, like, my mom did bring us to, you know, because we're Jewish, she did bring us uh to, like, the synagogue and stuff, but at this point, we lived in Colorado, so there was only one synagogue, and it wasn't really that great. We weren't really a big fan of it, so my mom didn't make us go after a short period of time because we just hated it. You know, but I think that my mom still, well, my parents, they still raised my sister and I to have, like, morals to teach people or um, treat people well. You know, For sure. Just, for absolutely.
2: Just... I think that you can, I think that you can have morals, um, like goodness or charity. I, uh, my dad is probably one of the most charitable people I've ever met. Uh, but he lacks in other areas in his life, mor- morally speaking. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think we're, we teach ourselves how to be those people, how, how to be moral people. And we do that through religious practices. For example. Um, if I want to not harbor bad thoughts about Ava anymore, I'm going to pray for her, pray for her success. I'm going to pray for all the detailed things I can think about so that I can think about her in love and not think about her in any other way. So whenever I see her in the supermarket, even though we've had our issues in the past, my immediate disposition, my body language, my slant, if you will, Mm -hmm. is not going to be in anything but love. And, uh, so that's, I think how kind of religion and religious practices breeds and teaches morality, because just like you can teach, you know, a child to hate another person of the skin, uh, different skin color is so that you can teach good things. Mm-hmm. And the Greeks understood this and they, they put it into a word called irite, which is the Greek word for moral goodness or a prevailing moral excellence. And there's a lot of morally excellent people in the world that don't know Jesus, But Jesus is training them, uh, even though they don't even know it to be morally excellent people, uh, for the time that he would reveal those himself to those people. But for the most part, people don't strive for moral excellence. They strive for freedom and they think freedom is their ability to, uh, do whatever they want, whenever they want to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, freedom is not the presence of restrictions, it's not the absence of restrictions. Freedom is the presence of the right restrictions, the ones in accordance with who God made you. So if you're living in, in, in good practices in your life, uh, getting up, reading your Bible, uh, seeing what uh, the Word has to say for you that morning and, and, uh, going through your religious practices and doing the things that Jesus said to do and teach, uh, I don't think that you're, you're gonna have a, a great huge disconnect from morality and the religion that you practice, if that makes any sense. I know a lot of other religions that you know, Buddhists are fantastic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hindus are fantastic people because they have religious practices in their life that cause them to be uh, reflective, introspective, uh, humble, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. I told me to get preachy, but you can't ask preachers these things. Oh, <laughs> so I know. Sorry.
1: No, it's okay. I, I mean, this is, you know, this is why I have a variety of different people on the show to get different perspectives. And th- hey,
2: thanks and thank you for letting me talk about those things that oh, of course. puts a smile on my face to be able to share.
1: So, of course. So, I mean, even if, even if I'm just like, well, I don't think I'm there yet, it doesn't mean that my listeners, you know, or maybe, you know, sure. maybe oh, somebody yeah, no will doubt. listen and then they're like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to start going to church because yeah, I don't no. think that, I don't think that churches, you know, it's, it's bad or anything like that. Like if there's something out there that makes people act better, then I'm all for it. Yeah a percentage of your profits from each class goes to a charity what charities are you uh do you typically participate in
2: i like to participate and i'm i'm very i'm very open with how i just kind of hand out and be charitable with my money but i sponsor a, a number of missionaries uh for one i sponsor a group called Afe ministries ofa honduras.org and AFE is a little organization that rescues trash babies in Honduras where they discard, where people, they can't take care of their children. So they discard their unwanted infants into trash heaps and, and dumpsters. Wow. And then there's, um, people are not dumpsters. Um, that's dump piles. Mm-hmm. And there's teams that go in and rescue them. They raise these children from infancy all the way through adulthood. And most of the adults, uh, come back to stay and work for the ministry that rescued them. Uh, but they're all raised to be upstanding citizens. They're all raised to be in, in Honduras. A lot of them are sent to America to do schooling and then brought back. So there's just a lot of things that um that that supports right there. I do not, um I like to support canine dogs for uh veterans and law enforcement who suffer from PTSD. Mm-hmm. I think that that's an amazing thing and it costs a lot of money to train a dog. So I like to try to get a couple thousand dollars and to help train, uh, you know, Ha- like help co-sponsor a dog, things like that. Um, I do a lot of different things beyond that, but those are just the things that come off the top of my head as the things that I regularly or recently have supported.
1: Well, that's really generous of you, especially because I mean, not to, not to be like rude, but I mean, preachers don't make a ton of money. Like they're not, it's one of I those do. things where you do.
2: <laughs> so as a preacher though, I only make $29,000 a year. Yeah. So my wife and I try to live and operate and budget off of that. Uh-huh. Now that's very difficult to do. Uh, but I am given a p- parsonage, which takes away on the average 40% of a homeowner's, uh, suspected income. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we're not, we're not too bad off, but you know, the Instagram sponsorships and the teachings and the opportunities to do private lessons with people, things like that, or go and speak someplace or be, have a celebrity appearance at someplace, things like that. Those are very lucrative and I, I thank God for those opportunities to make that money, but I'm, I'm, I'm very quick to be very generous with it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I really do believe that God is in no short supply of resources and he's in no short supply of power. He's in short supply of character who will manage it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. My aunt always taught me that, well, a few things that I refer back to, um, things that my mom said and my aunt. So my aunt always said, you know, be generous with your money. Like it's not, if you hold on to it, you're not going to get it back. That's right. And then my mom, I remember we were, cause we, we used to talk about religion a lot. And she said that she met somebody and they were like, well, imagine if you had the cure to cancer and wouldn't you want to like spread the word? And so they said that by finding God, it was almost like finding the cure to cancer. And so that's why it was their mission to like spread that word. And, no uh, yeah. and it just kind of made you think, I mean, again, my mom and I, we always, you know, we always just had these deep conversations. So just two things that came to mind as you were speaking. Yes. So what are your future goals? I haven't a clue. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I don't know. I'm just trying I to have, make it past I today. <laughs> have, I have no,
2: I have no idea. I wish I did. I have an i. have a plan. Um, I have uh, a goal to make it through this day.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, but that's about it. I hear you. I don't. I don't suspect <laughs> for anything else beyond uh, a, a tomorrow.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I really. I'm just trying to be the best person I can be right now. Yeah. Uh, and this, at this moment and the next person I'll meet, I'm going to do this, the same thing. And then I'm going to go home to my wife. I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to meet my kids today. I'm gonna do the same thing. And if God allows me to not get hit by a truck or, you know, you know, not die of a heart attack
0: mm-hmm. or
2: reap the consequences for how I've mistreated my body and my health, uh, then I'll just wake up and I'll say, thank him for his mercies that renew every morning. Okay.
1: Uh, where can people find you, like on on the internet, on social media?
2: Well, um, I'm not okay. They can find me on the old Instagram at True Exodus and Facebook.com/slash True Exodus. You can find me on YouTube under my first name, which is Parker uh you'll find me parker fallbush under youtube so um,
1: i saw that and i wasn't sure i should have asked yeah. before the show if you want to be it's, a, me it's a long
2: it's like true exodus it's a long story it's essentially like uh uh when i started that youtube account i was in college <laughs> and that was my college address and parker is my first name so of course it would be parker fallbush but
1: and then, then you then, got and then you got into guns and you to were like i'm gonna go by barrett because it's so much cooler
2: no, I've always gone by Barrett, but whenever somebody asks me for my first name, I give them my first name. I don't give them the name I go by. Okay. So I just, yeah, I just, everyone always called me Barrett growing up. People are like, I like Parker so much better. I'm like, well, then call me Parker. <laughs> but uh just uh, just Barrett, that's fine.
1: Yeah, I saw it in the show notes, but then I was like, well, maybe you just go by Barrett just because, you know, I mean, the more that you it put yourself out there.
2: Like, yeah, exactly. No, it's.
1: I just, I didn't know if you were like terrified. trying to, you know, be like discreet as far as like people being able to find you and.
2: No, not really. I just, you know, I don't, I, I, I will say I'm not, I'm not trying for self promotion mm-hmm. a lot of times. Like I don't walk around with business cards at mm-hmm. shot show handing those things out. Um, I'm not really eager with getting someone's business card and calling and self promoting myself, you know, things like, I just don't care about those things. Mm-hmm. It just. I've been incredibly successful without striving for it and letting God take care of that and give me those levels of responsibility when he wants me to. So I, I've learned not to strive for and want things because a lot of people want to be famous. A lot of people want a lot of money. Um, but honestly, it's not, you don't.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. well, and I don't think um, it brings happiness.
2: Yeah, that's right. It doesn't bring happiness and it just causes more pressure in your life because you're responsible for that many more people.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. All right, cool. So do you have time to hang out for the rest of the show? Sure. All right. Can
2: I, can I interact a Ab- little bit? Of
1: course. Absolutely. How That's... much
2: longer will it go?
1: Why, are you in a hurry?
2: Well, I, I have to be you're back like, at... You're like, I'm sitting min- here I to, in a hot car. I have to be... Yeah, I, I have to be back in 15 minutes. I'm just sitting in a parking lot right now. So I, I just... Uh, I didn't know.
1: All right. So we will try to... Hurry through it. It shouldn't be that much longer.
2: Oh, no, don't. Oh, no, don't hurry on my behalf, but I will love to listen. Please go ahead.
1: Well, no, I want you to interact, though. I want you to okay, chime in okay, when you I'll have interact. something. All right, so we're going to go into the AF segment.
0: Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- never mind. AF.
1: <laughs> you know, AF for Ava Flanell. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh, so I, I've been reading a lot of articles lately and the media is saying that good guys with guns can rarely stop mass shootings. And so I just, you know, I've been clicking on it because I always want to see what the opposing side has to say. And basically, really the only thing they're saying is if more people have guns, then it's not easy to take down a shooter without shooting, you know, innocent people nearby. But I mean, in all of these cases, like in all of the shootings, really—that's the, the dumbest most... thing I've ever heard. That's that's exactly what I was saying. I mean, I when thought can, that... when a
2: person with a person with body armor or a vest and a rifle starts shooting, there's not going to be anybody around hanging out. Yeah. Either you either you've been victimized or you've been immobilized, in which case you're probably laying down on the ground, and so your your profile is less. And therefore reducing your ability to catch another, a stray bullet by something that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't oh, know it why they say things like that.
1: I know. And yet there's, there's a bunch of articles that are all kind of saying the same thing, which was just, none uh, of them have really ever done. been in
2: a situation yeah. or none of them have even gotten extensive training to realize. How easy it is to become proficient and how quickly you can become proficient with a firearm.
1: I absolutely agree. But in better news, uh, Texas recently because of everything going on, they're actually lessening their gun laws effective September 1st. So that means that you can now carry, uh, on place, you know, place of worship, which I don't know if that's changed, but I think that they're, they're making it more well known. Uh, you could also carry on school grounds, it, not in the actual school, but you can actually have it now locked in your motor vehicle. Whereas before that, if you were, if you had a gun in your car, you couldn't even be parked on school grounds. Like I just, I
2: just carry, I just carry a gun everywhere. I will not carry a gun in, um, like in a police station. So if I go to handle a police matter, Uh I won't carry a gun, but I pretty much carry a gun everywhere else I go.
1: Yeah. I mean, Um, you and me both, I mean, courthouses, I don't carry I don't carry in court you know houses. stuff, I, I stuff like if that I,
2: if ever I have to I I have to sometimes be called in uh, to, to handle those different types of things because of the drama of, of people's lives but uh-huh. I'll never carry in that yeah way. or I go into a prison a lot of times and I won't carry in a prison so yeah. I guess there are a lot of times well in places I won't carry a gun but I feel like I carry a gun every oh day. yeah
1: I mean I and I do the same thing a lot of gun free zones but it's nice because here in Colorado signs do not hold the force of law so if it's privately owned property, like a restaurant, a store, their signs do not supersede no, my no, right they, to carry. They so. ask you to leave. Yeah. And then
2: if, if you don't leave, then it's armed and, trespassing. Exactly. So that's why I like concealed carry. There's no reason that a person should ever know that you're carrying a firearm. Uh, and I I run into police officers all the time. I don't share that I'm carrying a firearm. I'm yep. not allowed or I'm not legally. Um,
1: there's no duty um, to inform.
2: Exactly. There's no yep. duty to inform. Thank you for pulling those words out of my mouth.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, and it varies among states. So don't. Take our word for it because it could, yes, there could be duty to inform in your state. Um, and then one of the other things that they passed was, uh, to prevent homeowners and land and landlords from forbidding residents to have firearms on their property. That's pretty good. Yeah. So, I mean, it's good. I kind of wish that more states kind of took, you know, the Texas route where they're realizing that, you know, a lot of these gun free zones, like everyone is just kind of like sitting ducks. And, yeah. you know, so they're, they're lessening up the gun laws so that more people can carry and protect themselves and hopefully take down, you know, if there is an active shooter, um, take them down quicker so that there aren't as many fatalities. So, all right. Uh, Sharp's bros. So I don't know if you guys, if you've heard of Sharp's bros, you probably have seen their stuff. They're everywhere. They're the ones that, you know, the lowers that look like, uh, like a skull or a hog.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: But if you're not into the flashy lowers, they have the live wire, which is, I love it. I love the design, uh, real clean cut, flared magwell, and then the safety features. You know, I like that because it has like the bullets for safe, fire, and full auto, um, which kind of gives it just a nice little touch. And you can find that at sharpsbros.com. Every lower there is under $300, and uh, they definitely make some really nice stuff. All right, now Q&A.
0: Q&A. There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours.
1: So somebody wanted to know, aside from guns, what are your hobbies? And believe it or not, I actually have quite a bit of hobbies that you probably wouldn't even realize. Like, I love painting. I love gardening. So when I bought my house, I was like the biggest thing is like, I wanted a really pretty garden, lots of flowers. I was determined to have nice lawn because growing up, I kind of grew up sort of in the country. So I didn't really have grass. So I was like determined to have like nice grass and my grass like beats everyone's on the neighborhood. And then I do really enjoy decorating. Like typically if I'm not reading news articles at night, I'm typically looking at like decor. Cause I'm very much into, I don't know if I, if I honestly, if I wasn't doing this, I'd probably be like an interior decorator and then, uh, really enjoy bar three and that is nationwide. And if you guys are looking for a good workout, I highly recommend bar three. I've already lost like, I don't know, 15 pounds, which most people can't really tell. It's not like I was really heavy, but I definitely have toned up and it's just, it's completely like transformed my life, just like mentally, physically. And then I just like, you That's know, a good thing. yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing define, how much
2: find some type of exercise, something that that you enjoy to do and that, that that you enjoy doing, it's so, it's, it's so fulfilling.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I kind of, I just wish I found this like much sooner, but, um, I yeah. love it. I love all the people that I take the classes with. Like I could jump in on any class and pretty much know the entire, you know, most of the, the women in the class. So it's just, it's all around just, I love it. So I highly recommend it. And then I like, you know, exploring, hiking and stuff like that. Barrett Parker, what would you say are some of your, (laughs) what are some of your hobbies?
2: I'm, I'm really just reading a lot of times. Um, I have to read and I write all the time. So I I usually read and write just copious amounts of lessons. And a lot of people like my captions that I've been putting up a lot recently and those take writing and rewriting. So I enjoy doing those things. Mm -hmm. I just, I like being with my kids and doing like adventure stuff with my kids. And I like going out on dates with my wife. That's super fun.
1: And it's important Never You to
2: do that hardly at all. But it's, it um, is but, important, uh, I think, yeah. to
1: keep the relationship, you know, alive.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I got to she's, she, uh, she's just, she's my muse. She's yeah. my rock. I yeah. got to make sure she, she's the number one person. I, I have to ask myself at the end of the day, are you sat? Are you happy? Are you satisfied? Yeah. Did you get everything that I could provide for you today? Definitely. You know, and she does the same thing for me. So she's a hobby.
1: Yeah. And I've also, I've read, I mean, you write very well. My degree is in English and communications, which I'd like to say, like, oh, I'm an expert. But ever since I, like, left college, it's pretty much gone downhill. But but all of your, you know, everything that you write, even if it is captions on Instagram, you do write well and it is capturing, so.
2: I still have typos because I'm so quick to want to get it out and share it. And then I go back through and I'm like, oh, typo. And so I'm just not the, the I need to, my wife is really great at it. But I if I just let her edit my captions, but. I'm a one man show on the old Instagram, right. so I just can't do that. Thank uh, you for your compliments, I uh-huh. appreciate that.
1: Of course. Alright, so now we're gonna just talk about Paul and and then we'll get into Tacty Talk. So Polymer 80 has officially become the one-stop shop for all of your Polymer 80 needs. Uh, they now have frame parts kits. So before that, they had slide kits, but they didn't have any frame parts kits available. And now they do. And they're only, it's only $35. That doesn't include the trigger, but you can buy a Polymer 80 trigger separately. And all you have to do is go to polymer80.com, use the code GUNFUNNY, and that gets you 10% off.
0: Tactic discussing popular guns and gear love it hate it find out now
1: all right so i had a long conversation with alex uh from sb tactical and uh because on my patreon group you know we're always writing about um you know just stuff that's happening in the industry and ever since the shooting happened because one of the shooters had a shockwave uh Brace, if you'll, I mean, if you even want to call it a, it was more of a, the shockwave, the shockwave blade. Um, yes. so everyone's like, oh, are they going to ban, you know, braces now? AR pistol braces. And I really don't think that they are because there's really, I mean, unlike, you know, a bump stock or a high capacity magazine, there's no way to prove that that increases lethality. Mm. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, think about, well, why were braces made? They were made to shoot one handed. They were made for people that uh were handicapped. So how do you how do you even make that? You know, how do you how do you even say like, oh, well, by using a brace, it actually helps you shoot faster or more effectively because it doesn't. And I could just imagine, you know, most of these people who who try to pass these gun laws, they don't even understand how guns operate, which is, you know, don't that's like a whole nother problem. Don't get me started on that. But imagine trying to explain to somebody who isn't into guns what a pistol brace is. Like yeah. I don't even think I just, they just Something
2: it. that strikes me is the person who's willing to go shoot up a Walmart right with a pistol brace is is the same type of person who can't put a normal A2 buffer assembly. And uh, an illegal stock on there.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So and I think so I was trying to interact and think through what you were saying. And it makes a lot of sense that if you have a which is easier to stabilize and have a greater lethality, an actual stock that's meant to be held up against your shoulder is one of the four positional points of contact. Or a half-ass blade, mm-hmm. which you know, if which, anybody which, has which, shot which,
1: with one of those, those things are horrible. They're extremely uncomfortable. I don't, I don't
2: like the blades either. But I don't know. i do no, like, a big are, fan. I like some things from SV Tactical. Mm-hmm. Um, they make some great braces. Um, I like Gearhead Works. They make some great braces. A lot of people just make some great braces, uh, specifically so that you can shoulder them and be legal with them and things like that. Although they're, you know, they're made and designed to be attached to the arm. I think that there's that always that kind of secondary reason that Mm -hmm. of reasons why we like, uh, what we do. But, uh, yeah. So if you're, you know, it just doesn't seem like logically consistent that a person who's willing to take innocent life wouldn't also sit there and think, I'm just going to break the law by putting this short barreled gun together,
1: you know? Exactly. So
2: it it doesn't seem like violate or by removing braces that that's going to be the yeah, I don't way to solve that problem. I
1: don't think that that's in our future. I mean, do I think that they're probably going to try to implement more gun laws? Probably, for, sure, for um, sure. I don't really even question that. But as far as banning braces, I don't think that that's in our future. So, and it's weird because you. You don't, I haven't read anything about it. It seems to be the gun industry that's almost making this up that just automatically jumps to conclusions.
2: I think, I think we're just, I think that too many people are just like, there's crazies everywhere. There's crazies in the gun community. And I think that there's people who think that they're on the right path, that they're not on the right path. And they, they, they have platforms and they just, they spew out whatever they spew out. Mm -hmm. You know, I've been guilty of it and, uh, been guilty of having a platform that provides uh, misinformation and miscommunication. And so it is a real balance and struggle. I think that each man is just trying to, and each person is just trying to do what they, they think is right. But at the same time, I think that we just eat our own too much in this industry because we realize the the implications of uh, events like these and the accessories that go with them.
1: Mm-hmm. I know. And I think we also just kind of, you know, we make a lot of decisions based on emotions. And after tragedies uh, that's, like that's this happen, exactly. You know, people, and I wish that, so I really wish that people would take a step back and one, focus on the tragedy. Because I don't think that people give enough support to the families, the victims, everyone who, you know, this affected. Um, no, they're just a just, statistic. Yeah, exactly. They're, and we yeah, just I think automatically. just looks
2: at them as a statistic.
1: Absolutely. And we just automatically politi- politicalize this, uh, which is really unfortunate. And, And I'm even guilty of this. Typically when I hear about a guilty of it too. Typically when I hear about a shooting, first I'm like, I feel horrible. I feel really bad for the victims. And then within like probably a few minutes later I'm like, you can't help but wonder, Okay, well what gun was used? Are they gonna try to ban ARs Uh, now?
2: uh, Ava, if it makes you feel any better. I don't, th- I don't think it takes me 10 seconds to go there. Yeah, but it's um, so unfortunate. I, I sit there and go, I am so sorry. I, I just weep and I cry and I'll pray, mm-hmm. but then I'm just looking at, I'm looking at the news stories and it just wraps itself up in this political mess, a part of my brain and it just takes over. So
1: yeah. So I would say, you know, everybody just needs to take a step back, I'm- um, not base, you know, decisions on emotions or jump to conclusions and, uh, yeah, and I don't think that air pistol braces are gonna, so you don't have to go out and like hurry up and buy a bunch or sell yours because you don't think you know, that.
2: Jesus has a lot to say about that.
1: Yeah, what? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I just, no, it's okay. I just, I was like, okay. I was
1: like, all right, let's hear it.
2: <laughs> well, he says, he says I the overflow the heart to mouth speaks.
1: <laughs> nice.
2: And so I believe that that's, that's true. huh. So, so yeah. What you say and what you talk about and what you think about and dwell upon is, is, is the condition of your heart.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree. anyway,
2: tidbit, Jesus plug.
1: Sorry. Very Nice. Nope. I don't, I mean, Hey, you can say whatever you want. Just real quick. iTunes reviews. I am actually reading the last iTunes review. So if you guys are listening and you want to head on over to iTunes, I would really appreciate a review. Um, Oh flyer, five stars, gun funny, 99 Ava, one way away from your first 100 podcasts in your, And you continue to get better and better. Great interview with Josiah McCallum of Palmetto State Armory. While I've spent a small fortune there, I did not know the history of the company. You are continuing to set yourself apart with great interview guests uh, that other podcasters can't seem to find. P.S. Like you, the 6.5 fix has been beating the hell out of my shoulder as well. Stay strong in 2019, Ohio Flyer 357. And then Poetry on a Cracker, five stars, another great show, another great guest. When Krebs speaks, people listen. All right. So, um Barrett, real quick, out of those two, will you pick a winner for them to win a prize pack?
2: Ooh. Um The first one. The first one. Okay. So, O'Flyer, yeah, contact the fl- me. The 357.
1: Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. We're going to pick him. Besides, his shoulders beat up. And I can totally agree because, I mean, I, know, I feel his that's pain. That's
2: such a horrible thing. <laughs> He's speaking from a point of empathy, so he knows, he feels. Yeah,
1: and, and, he I can, it. and I can totally relate because it doesn't matter how well you shoulder that freaking gun. It's still, you know, after so many rounds, it's still going to bruise your shoulder if you don't have a ton of meat, you know, right That's there. Right. So. And then we're going to wrap up. So if you guys want to find me, just go to gunfunny.com. There's links to everywhere where you can find the show. Um, if you can't get enough, think about considering uh becoming a Patreon. Just a dollar gets you access to the Facebook Patreon group, uh, which is always a good time. Also, Blown Deadline is now giving away a $300 gift certificate to a lucky Patreon every month. So if you guys want to get an awesome Cerakote job. Uh, uh, I love Blown Deadline. I know. Their stuff. So did you notice at TriggerCon, their stuff was everywhere? Cause I was yeah, walking but. around with Mike and he's just like, Oh yeah. And this is ours. And this is ours. And I mean, I'm like, what booth do you not have your stuff displayed? So they're definitely right. taking over the industry and, and just doing an awesome job. And I just want to say, because of your guys's Patreon pledge, I'm able to afford a editor who is Kenny Ortega. He does an awesome job. You know, he, he also uh, not only does he edit the show to make it sound better, but he also publishes the show every Monday, which I would not be on the ball to do. I'd probably forget. And I just want to quickly thank our $25 patrons, Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Ryan Morrison, Kevin Brittingham, Michael Alexio, Silencer Shop, and Joe Lyons. And king of the patron is still John Snow, and he wants me to say that Operator Tickles is capable of strangling someone with a cordless phone. Yep. That's, that's my dog. <laughs> it's a long story. Okay. Uh, and then real quick, uh, I do give a tack pack giveaway or I do do a tack pack giveaway every month. Um, in order to join that giveaway, you just have to go to gunfunny.com forward slash TP, put your name, your email address. And at the end of the month, I will draw a lucky winner. Otherwise you could just go to com and sign up for your first box. If you use the code gunfunny, you get a free ABKT knife. And Barrett, I want to thank you again so much. I know uh, you're super busy, so I appreciate you spending this morning with me. Um, I don't appreciate you making me wake up at 6.30 a.m., but, you know, that's neither here nor there. And uh, this might be the first show that I've recorded sober. <laughs> 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 I'm just Well, kidding. it was a pleasure uh, uh,
2: being interviewed by you. And thank you again for letting me speak up on your platform and share. I hope I, I hope I communicated well.
1: Absolutely. You did an excellent job. And guys, if you want to go and follow Barrett, just, uh, look him up, True Exodus, and you definitely post some really great stuff, especially on Instagram. So keep up the good work. Thank you. All right. We are out of here.